Durant. Oh! A jawbreaker! Curry with a drive, blocked by Jackson. Bain, step back three. Bingo! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the newest episode of The 4-4. I'm Xavier Dodson, your host, and I'm here with my co-host, David Buckler and Matthew Gill. Boy, are we excited. We finally had some Grizzly basketball playing this past week. We had three games finishing off the week 2-1, but it was still a crazy week. First opening game was an overtime game. I was there. I was excited. It was emphatic. We beat the Knicks. Then turn around, we played the Houston Rockets and John Morant went berserk and then of course we had our first L of the year and that was against the Mavs but man how y'all feeling about this like the season is actually here yeah it's super exciting I'm glad that Grizzlies basketball is back for sure tough loss last night to the Mavericks recording here on Sunday um Luca really gave it to those guys but you know it's tough coming off that back-to-back yeah, it didn't take long. Uh, you know the first game of the year we go to overtime it's like I was thinking I can't take 81 more of these uh, it's it's great to have basketball back, and you know Xavier. Actually, I'm a little relieved to be two and one at this point because we go to overtime against the Knicks. We got outscored big in the second half to push that game to overtime. Houston gave us a dogfight. That game was tied in the in the third quarter, and then and then Saturday night was it was it was a disaster. You know, we could be one and two, zero oh and three. I, I'm I'm sort of happy at two and one right now. And that's what we kind of talked about in the last show, right, Dave? Like none of these games are guaranteed, and like. The Rockets absolutely came to beat the Grizzlies. Like they stepped up, they they stepped on the court, looking with a target on their back, like looking at the Grizzlies as a team that they can compete with, and they gave them a really tough game. Uh, you know, through that first half, it looked like they may run away with it a little bit. So, yeah, you, you're right. Yeah, these games aren't guaranteed. I, I can say I was at the the Knicks game, the season opener. That was so much fun. While I was sitting there, it was a Knicks fan. Uh, sitting above, I mean, right in front of us. And we were talking so much smack and we was going back back and forth, especially during the overtime, because, man, I was not anticipating us to pull off a victory in the overtime. <laughs> I'm like, man, man, man. But, yeah, you we, know, finished, you know, we finished Yeah, we finished the game, so I'm, I'm happy we got that dub. And, and I was kind of surprised at the intensity for game one. I mean, I thought the Knicks came to win. I You know, Cam Reddish – he played great. Isaiah Hartenstein, I mean, they played, I thought, really, really hard. And I think we're going to get that effort from every team this year. Some teams don't really, frankly, like the Grizzlies. A lot of talking for a team that's never won a championship. We're not sneaking up on anybody. And I thought, man, on opening night, the Knicks, they came in to, to knock us out. And I, I respected them for that. Yeah, during the Rockets game, uh, Brevin Knight made the point. He's like, these guys have to be used to being the hunted now. Like the last right. couple of years, like they've been the hunters going after the, the Warriors and, um, you know, the Lakers and all those top teams that they wanted to go beat. And now they're in that group of young, of young teams now want to come and beat the Grizzlies and measure themselves against them. I thought that was a really good point by him. So, yeah, I mean, that's just something you got to deal with with that success. Yeah, you're right. Um, we get more into this. So starting off with our first segment, John Morant had most definitely had a historic week. He's already averaging 34.3 points within his first three games. Already chance of MVP that's in the future. Dave, have you seen any historic run like this from a a guard or anybody in Memphis history? (laughs) So in this segment, history with Dave, uh, 
it's amazing. Sometimes during this segment, we're going to talk about the current era that we're in. Sometimes we'll look at the archives of the NBA. But what John Morant did over the first week, we really need to discuss this because we've never seen anything like it. Certainly not in Memphis Grizzlies history. He had, what, 83 points over his first two games. Unbelievable. Tailed off a little bit Saturday night. That wasn't that unexpected considering the amount of pressure and amount of workload that we put on him now with some of our key guys out. But when you look at this historically, it's really interesting. You know, he's our all-time leader in, in scoring, 21.4 points per game. And I thought that was fascinating. We've only had one other player in the history of the Memphis Grizzlies average over 20. Do you guys know who it is, by the way, off the top of your head? Uh, Zebo? No, it's a good answer. Uh, it's Sharif Abdul-Rahim. <laughs> yeah. Deep cut. And I bring it up, guys, because if you go to basketballreference.com and they show the history of the Memphis Grizzlies, a lot of all-time leaders come from the core four, the four that this show is named after. And it's sort of bittersweet. We had a really great run with the core four, but there was a lot of regular season success, not a whole lot of deep, deep runs into the playoffs, if we're just being honest, right? So what, what I think is so interesting about what John Moran is doing is I think he's our first franchise, truly defining franchise star that can rewrite the what I feel are the more important record books. You know, it's it's great to have guys that are, you know, uh, on basketball reference. And, and, and by the way, John Conchar is our number one all time offensive rating, which I thought that was great. Good for John Conchar. Shout out Jenny. Yeah, yeah. in the books. It's great. But, you know, but we're, we're have a guy now who's rookie of the year, most improved player, second team all NBA. And I think if we surround him with the right pieces, he can be the best player we've ever had and bring championship to Memphis. The question I saw over this first week, I don't know if this workload is sustainable. We're going to see what this team looks like when they get fully healthy. But I don't think we can look at every game like, well, we're not healthy. I mean, this is the team as it is now, and I think the front office has to make sure we have playoff depth, not just regular season depth. And I do think that is different. We saw last year against Golden State, the bench gets shorter. The coach trusts less guys. And I'm a little concerned at this point that we put so much of our workload on John Morant because he is so special. And, you know, Jaron's great. Bain's off to a kind of a shaky start. Is Brooks always going to be hurt now? I don't – I want to talk about this a little bit later in the show. I think we're a trade away at, at this point with what I've seen over the first week. If you just looked at the history of the Memphis Grizzlies, though, we've never seen anything like what John Morant did this first week. We've never seen a player like him. And I'm telling you, he's going to rewrite that basketballreference.com page, but I hope he also rewrites the, the, the bigger history books for the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, especially. I mean, I've been a Grizzlies fan since I've been born in – I mean, we've had stars of Pal Gasol, Marc Gasol, Zebo, but isn't they were never true MVP caliber players. I mean, Marc Gasol, I believe once upon a time he finished probably top 10 in MVP, MVP voting, but just literally off the gate, knowing that John Morant can realistically win MVP is just unheard of here in Memphis. And I I mean, it's 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 amazing that we have him on, on this on the mm -hmm. Grizzlies. So how how do you feel about that, Matt? I think it was an awesome week. Um, historically, Ja has really thrived in this opening game. I think he knows that, especially on a night where it's the opener in Memphis, where, where the Grizzlies usually play on the road to open the season, it seems like every year for some reason. I think that he um, made a point to assert his dominance and also put on a show for the Memphis fans. There was an entertainment factor that you don't always see with him, those behind-the-back passes. He had that 
look away spinning pass that ended up getting deflected and led to a um, a foul uh, drawn by Steven Adams. There, there was a showmanship and an aggressiveness and really good basketball that he played in that first night. And then Houston, uh, you know, that's not a great defensive team. So that's what he should do is he should look to be really aggressive and put up huge numbers against those teams uh, like Houston, like he did to San Antonio last year. So all in all, super impressive from job, but in my opinion, kind of concerning for the rest of the team. Like, he really had no help. And I, I wonder, I kind of have a little bit of a theory that against the, the Mavs, I think part of it is they played a, a back-to-back and he was super tired after the workload, as Dave said. But I think he also looked around and was like, I got to figure out who's going to be with me. Like, who else is going to step up? I can't do this all season long. Somebody else, he can roll out of bed and get 20 points. He had 20 points on the Mavs and he got eight of them from the free throw line. He can do that in any single half of basketball against any team. I think he looked around and was like, somebody else has to show me something. Baines obviously banged up. He shouldn't have finished that game against the Knicks in overtime. I have no idea why they put him back. Uh, it, it was insane, but he has not looked like himself. He's clearly banged up. And, and it was from that, whatever, he tweaked his ankle, turned his leg weird in the Knicks game. And I think Maybe Coach Jenkins was just like, dude, we're just out of guys. Like, you got to suck it up and play these next three games. I'm surprised he went back out there against Houston and uh, the Mavericks as well. So, I, I don't know. I think Bain will eventually round back into form and, and find his thing. And another weird nugget that they mentioned on the broadcast, the ESPN broadcast against the Knicks, was that uh, Bain admitted that he was like the heaviest he had ever been in his life in that playoff series where he hurt his back. I thought that was super interesting because, like, it's not crazy to connect the dots that he's the heaviest he ever was, and then he tweaked his back, right? And he doesn't look any smaller to me. I, I think that maybe, um, you know, if he's just packing on some extra weight, that could contribute to the way that he's maybe getting a little bit banged up the last couple times that we've seen him going back to the last season. So really impressive from Ja. It was awesome to see those first two games. But, um, yeah, I mean, somebody else has to step up and help this kid if they're going to have a good season. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sorry, Jay. I just want to say it's exactly right because – we sort of think as sports fans, the trajectory is always going to go up for guys. Like, well, Bain was this. He's going to be better next year. We don't know this. And it was encouraging, though, in week one. Ja was very good from the free throw line. Even like the game against Houston, he was five of six from three point. We always say if he can just get that three point shot to be more consistent. So I think we saw growth from him over the first week. And, and Xavier, you asked about the comp. I think the comp is Derrick Rose. Because if you remember how great Derrick Rose was from 16.8 to 20.8 to 25 points a game, his first three years with the Bulls, he was a rookie of the year, MVP at 22 years old. But it all fell apart when he got hurt. You know, and Derrick Rose is still collecting the NBA paycheck and good for him. That's great. But he never took over the league and dominated the league like we thought he was going to at the time. So when we talk about is it sustainable we just need Ja to stay healthy, but we need to surround him as an organization with players. Like you said, Matt, he's looking around. You know, he, he can't do this every night for the next six, seven, eight years. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and we do have to take in factor that Dylan Brooks and Zaire didn't play this week. Uh, I know Dylan was questionable for that Mavericks game. And, and Zaire, I, I, I believe he should be back within the next upcoming weeks. And so that would help, will help a lot. And we knew that job was going to take a bigger load coming into the season, especially with Jaron being out. But, yeah, looking around with the Mavs game, it was like, okay, who else is going to step up? Like, it really hit right there. Like, wow, we don't have nobody else to step up at the time, especially with Bang that's out. I, I, although Bang was struggling shooting-wise, he did impress me with his playmaking ability within the past three games. He averaged almost at 6.5 assists a game within the past three games. So his playmaking has helped a lot. Santi 
has played some pretty good ball in John Conchart, but at the end of the day, we do need that co-star right next to John Morant. So hopefully we get Dylan and Zaire healthy and they'll be in the lineup this week. I mean, we got a pretty busy week. We face against Kevin Durant tomorrow and Kyrie Irving. So we need those perimeter defenders and primetime players that's going to be able to capable of make baskets. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to our, our reserves to come back and be healthy. Okay, heading next to our, one of our favorite staples, the common corner. So, Matt, our first three guys, our first three games were without Dylan and Zaire, and it showed we were spread thin at times within the wing depth throughout this past week. Do you think Climbing should be pulling any strings to add more wing depth or trusting the guys that we have right now? Yeah, I think it would be an overreaction to say they have to go get somebody right now, but I think it is super important to maximize the John Morant era in this championship window that they have to have a wing guy uh, to go along with him. I looked back, I was looking at past champions, man, and all of them have a great wing player. In 10 years from now, we may forget, people will look back and forget what Andrew Wiggins did for the Warriors last year, but he was an incredible rebounder. He was their best perimeter defender. He shot the ball well. He was a really good compliment to Steph Curry. You go back the year before that, Chris Middleton Chris Middleton took a ton of pressure off Giannis, made a bunch of big shots, especially in that Boston series uh, two years ago. So that all and, and you go back before that, it's seven years pretty much of either LeBron, Katie, or Kawhi was on one of the championship teams, man. Like the, the past almost 10 years, every great championship team has a good wing. They don't have to be their best player every time, but if you get a guy like Andrew Wiggins or Chris Middleton, takes a ton of pressure off your guy. And Steph Curry is like the guard that almost is the exception to the rule uh, because he is such a great shooter and he's the exception that proves the rule, really. Every team needs a great wing, and I don't know for the championship future that the the championship-level wing is on this team currently. There's a couple guys I'll get to here in a second that I that I really like that could take this team to the next level. But as of right now, man, I mean, it's just injuries. Like, you, we were just talking about it. They were without their top really two perimeter defenders, in my, in my opinion, uh, in Zaire and Dylan Brooks. And once those guys get back, like the wing depth is definitely going to be um, addressed naturally. But, yeah, force those rookies, Roddy and LaRavy, to get in there. Uh, Dave, what, what did you kind of think? What did you see from the rookies uh, playing in that wing position? I thought that they had good moments. And I'm, I'm hard on LaRavia, but, you know, he, he played – fairly well his shot looks like it's coming around and, and I think Xavier made the point earlier and once he's surrounded by the starters and by better players a, in real meaningful situations he's going to be okay and I, I think I think it was a good week for both of them I think they're going to be fine but let's see what this team looks like Xavier as you said when Dylan Brooks gets healthy and Zaire Williams comes back and of course uh Jaron Jackson Jr. To, to step back from that though I do think we're a player short and and Matt you said it 100% correctly you got to maximize the John Morant era and I found it very, very interesting that we have not signed Dylan Brooks to an extension yet. And I think it's a very good piece of business by Kleiman. I think he's going to move him. And I think they want the expiring contract as part of that trade. So I think if, you know, if, if correct me if I'm wrong, if Brooks would have signed an extension before the season, it's kind of a poison pill thing, right? We can't trade him if you've just signed an extension that doesn't kick in until the next year, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's correct. So I, I just think it's interesting. We extended uh, Stephen Adams, Brandon Clark, John Moran, of course. I, I think he's holding the Dylan Brooks playing card here. 
and he's going to move him with a first rounder and something to get a piece for this team. I love the idea of adding a wing, but I'll tell you the guy, I can't shake this. I loved what Isaiah Hartenstein brought to the Knicks on Wednesday night. His energy, his effort around the basket, he has a nice soft touch. I think when Steven Adams struggles, we're a pretty soft team. We, 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 we say in pound our chests a lot, but inside we're not that – if Xavier Tillman's not going to step up and be that guy inside who's bruising around the basket, I think we're a little soft. I thought Adams was terrible against the Mavericks, and as a result, we showed no defensive toughness at all. I know the team was tired, but I don't want to always use that as an excuse on back-to-backs, et cetera. I, I love a guy like Hardison who came in and just gave the Knicks a lot of effort on Wednesday, and, and it's a pretty good production – and I think we're a backup center and energy guy away right now. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, Dave. If you look at the three games that we played against, the big man went off like Hardenstein, uh, Singoon, and Christian Wood. And that shows a lot that we miss Jaron. Jaron plays that backup center role typically to the previous season. So I agree with you. I, I said in, in my predictions in the in the article saying that we need a, a an electric backup center that's able to protect the realm and just grab rebounds but at the same time I do feel like the Dylan trade situation is it, I feel like it's actually going to happen sometime this year I see on Grizzlies Twitter all the time scrambling about like why haven't we signed Dylan to an extension and I think Climate has something up his sleeve that's the ace of the up his sleeve if Dylan necessarily doesn't perform at his expectations or if he sees a trait that you can just value that's so valuable that you can't give up. I, I personally feel that like Dylan might be left out and be traded. One one quick note, man. I'm sorry. I, I think the thing about Jaron being the backup center though is he's he's comfortable on the perimeter too. Right. He's got a, and I don't want Jaron banging around the, the, the boards all the time. You know, I, I just think we need a little bit more muscle in a guy. I really want it to be Tillman, but I, I don't see in, in a night like they play the Mavericks. I don't want to throw these games away because it's a back to back and everyone's tired. You know, where was that one guy who picks everyone else up and says, no, no, we're going to play hard tonight. And I, I didn't like the effort at all Saturday night, a national TV game. What was the game plan? Just let Luca do whatever he wants. You know, there was a good, I think, I think Parker had a really good note in, in, the, in the grades about how the Mavericks bothered Ja and they ran different looks at him and they ran different things. What was our game plan with Luca? I didn't, and I was very disappointed sort of with the coaching behind that too. The first quarter drove me crazy. And it just seemed like I, I, we need, you know, you might not love Draymond Green, but he does make sure that team plays hard every single night. And I, I'm a little concerned about that piece of this roster. Yeah, and, and before we move on, I just wanted to make sure we are, you know, we are in climbing corner. We're trying to do a little GM in ourselves. Like, we believe, uh, you know, in climbing uh, blindly. But I got a couple guys, like, I got my eye on, um, like I said, moving forward in this championship window. And maybe three of these guys are kind of guys you're talking about that could add this year um, to kind of bolster their wing depth. I got three guys that I really like. We talked about them before. Kuzma's been on a really good start to the season. Your guy on DC, Dave, uh, he can add a little scoring for you. I don't know how much of a character fit he is, but I really like the way he's scoring the basketball right now. TJ Warren is a guy who we saw in the bubble can be a really good scorer, and Brooklyn basically got him for nothing in the offseason. That's a guy that I would, uh, at least a type that I would really like to see on this roster. And then Norm Powell, for the Clippers, man, like he just seems to be the odd man out. Once Kawhi comes back, they they seem to have one more wing than they need. I think he's a guy who, at his absolute ceiling, can get to like that Andrew Wiggins level uh, that we saw last year. But the dude that I've got starred and circled, and I absolutely think 
the Grizzlies need to go after in this offseason is Mikael Bridges, man. That dude for the Suns holds so much down for them. He's a first-team All-NBA defender, dude. Like, he is so good on the wings, and he is really straight out of that Andrew Wiggins mold, dude. Like, he can D up anybody. He's super tough. I think he played all 82 games last year and maybe the year before, too. He's an absolute Iron Man. He's out there every single game. He's a guy that can take a lot of pressure off a jaw. He can guard the uh, opposing team's best perimeter defender. So a guy like Mikel Bridges, man, that would be an absolute dream. And the way I, he just signed a really, really team-friendly deal for four years, $90 million in the offseason, so it can't be done right now, similar to what you were saying about re-signing Dylan. But if things go really sideways in Phoenix, man, it may be a full-on fire sale. There's already guys looking to get out of there, and, and that's a guy that if things get real sideways out there, I would love to see the Grizzlies go in and pick him up, man. He is a guy that can absolutely take us to a – championship contender down the road yeah I, I agree with you on that and i want to throw in somebody else with the phoenix Suns. so they did not extend cam johnson they didn't throw him an extension and he's actually a, a very valuable player a great scorer he's a pretty good defender as well so that could be a possible guy as well i like I him would, I, yeah i would want him on, on on the grizzlies as well so yeah we we just gotta keep looking our eyes out if the if it's possible and do we need to make the improvement Maybe we do have to add another wing. So, yeah. I think Jordan Clarkson would be a nice fit, too. Every time I look up, he's putting numbers up for Utah. I wonder what they, you know, what it would take to get him in a trade. But I think he's valuable coming off the bench. He's kind of a spark guy. Yeah, the, the only thing that, that I have pushback on that is, like, the problem over the last two games was the defense. Like, it was really bad. They gave up 70 in the first half to Houston, and we're getting their doors blown off by Dallas the next night. Like, that's really where I see the problem. So, I, I don't think Clarkson raises your defensive floor by any means. He's obviously a great bench scorer and kind of a microwave guy. But, like, if that's the type of player you want, like, I would have rather they just kept Melton, right? I, I think he kind of gives you more on the back end. Clarkson clearly the better scorer of the two, but I, I don't know. I, I just think it has to be a big, a big time, uh, you know, wing small forward type of deal. But we'll see what Dylan Brooks looks like when he comes back. Right, we may see a huge improvement, and he's definitely going to improve the defense as well as when Jaron comes back. Okay, now in. To our next segment, we're going to talk about what's going on around in the association called this league. So here we're going to just talk about our thoughts and opinions for our opening week. So a lot of basketball was played this opening week. We had the Jazz go 2-0. The 76ers are 0-3. <laughs> the teams that's supposed to be tanking are winning. So, Dave, what are some of your thoughts and feelings of what's going on throughout the league right now? <laughs> yeah, what's Utah doing? <laughs> I thought they were they're towards the tank. And they, 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 have they not seen the tape of Wimbayamba? He's incredible. Will Hardy's got those boys playing too hard, dude. Danny Ainge about to suspend him. <laughs> well, and, and if you look at that Utah roster, they, they have some actually nice pieces, right? Laurie Markinen when he's healthy. Colin Sexton's a nice player. A couple years ago, we loved him in Cleveland. Young bull, dude. Great. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. – I kind of like the Walker Kessler fit there. So it's just interesting. Everyone thinks they're going to walk over Utah. It's back to what we said. There are no easy wins in this league. But I, I wanted to say I felt kind of stupid, guys. Last week, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Grant Williams. We talked about him. So opening night, the first quarter of the first game, he's screaming and yelling about, like, review the call. Review the call. You know, it's like, come on, man. I'm like, this guy. And then, of course, he goes out and scores 15 points, three for three on three. Looks fantastic. And I feel like an idiot. I, I feel like we were justified, though, because the uh, 
it may have been the Phil- no, it was against the Heat when they played uh, on Thursday, I believe. It was him and maybe Noah Vonley and Grant, like before the opening tip, was like faking like he was bench pressing and Noah Vonley was like spotting him. I, I can't remember if it was him or not, but yeah, Grant, uh, as much as I love what he did in Knoxville, yeah, not, I, I feel like we were vindicated on that just from that one clip. <laughs> yeah, Grant Williams, uh, you're spot on, Dave. I saw that the opening game, how he was whining and complaining about calls. <laughs> so Grant Williams, of course. It stuck out. But, man, yeah, I'm surprised right now that the 76ers are struggling. Like, they stink. They lost. Yeah, they lost yesterday against the Spurs. Here we go again. Another team that we thought that was going to tank. Mm-hmm. But they beat the – but they beat – yeah, the Spurs beat the 76ers. And, I I mean, the, the 76ers are talented. You have James Harden that's finally lost some pounds. Tyrese Maxey, you got another backcourt mate, and then Joel and B. Sometimes he just knows does not look engaged out there. So I don't know if that's concerning. I mean, it's still way, way, way early into the season. So is it- yeah, you know what's interesting about that point though is you can't throw these games away because they all count. Sort of feel like the NBA doesn't start till Christmas Day because if you listen to the national media, they say nobody watches the NBA until Christmas. Well, that may be, but if the Sixers come down in the Eastern Conference in in April and they're in a dogfight for the second, third, or fourth seed, these games all matter when it comes. You know, and you you know, not getting the home court advantage over a certain team. You go back and say, God, we threw that game away against San Antonio, who's you know, not not real strong this year. But um, I didn't want to mention it, it was kind of sad to see Kyle Anderson on Minnesota. And sometimes you see these former players around the league and some you miss, some you don't, but you know, he's just like another guy now with the Timberwolves. And I sort of wonder guys, how much is money worth it? You know, Memphis has a great culture. They're they're a winning team. I would have enjoyed hearing sort of like, was he even offered a contract by Memphis and he just didn't want to stay? You know, it's just kind of like, he's just another guy now for a team that's okay. Yeah. um, I mean, I think he like tweaked his ankle. Uh, was it against Utah? Back spasms, maybe or something. Yeah, back back spasms. And he only played one minute, and then here you go. Utah beat them, and it's sort of really a, a embarrassment. But I yeah, I, I wonder how much money is a factor to this because I mean he was staying at the at the house where Jai's currently staying at now. So and then I mean, was it back in 2017? That's when we offered him that contract. We paid him a good amount of money. I just want to know, did he actually enjoy Memphis? Did the culture not fit for him or whatnot? Because, I mean, he was a, a pretty good piece for, for for the Grizzlies his time here, especially last year at times. Yeah, talking about the two guys that have left, like we were just talking about Philly. Melton's looked pretty good for them as well. And, um, yeah, like you said, Dave, like Kyle Anderson's just another dude on Minnesota. And right now we look around, what did we just talk about? The wing depth from Memphis. Like he would really be contributing and be a big part of what the Grizzlies were doing right now if he was still on this roster. So, um, yeah, I hate to see him go. And I also wanted to just say we were, we were just talking about the Celtics with Grant Williams and stuff. Dude, they look way better. And so do the Warriors. Like they both – both of those teams look scary good. The Warriors are so deep now with the way some of their young guys have improved – and Boston, man, like we talked about it with what happened with Udoka. Like I kind of thought that they were going to take a step back, but they've come out and they punched Philly and Miami, who are two tough teams, like right in the mouth. I wonder, you know, obviously those are the two defending champions. I wonder who you guys, you know, one week into the season, like who do you guys have winning it all right now? We haven't gone on record yet with who we think is going to be the champs. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Boston is looking very disciplined. 
Tatum is playing at a, a high, high level. Looks like he wants the MVP in his sights, and especially Jalen Brown. They remind me of what Tracy McGrady and Vince Carter should have been in Toronto, what they should have been. Mm-hmm. And I, the way that they're playing right now, it, it puts it, I have them in consideration to win the championship because you have the elite defense and you, you're missing your best rim protector, Robert Williams. Eventually, he's going to come back. So you add him. Hopefully, he gets acclimated pretty quickly. Yeah, like I can, I can see them winning the East and going to the championship again. Oh yeah, I think Boston clearly looks like to me the best team in the East, and I think Golden State looks like the best team in the West. I mean, even like a lot of people talk up Denver and Utah, and you know, went and beat Denver, right? I mean, that that was a strange result. Uh, it, 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 we're going to get that at the beginning of the season, some variability, and it'll all settle down. Denver's going to be a good team. Memphis is going to be a very good team. Uh, Golden State is so deep and so talented, and they've won so much. That's a very tough formula. The thing about the Celtics, they got their scars last year in the finals, and they just look like a team that understands now what it would take to get to that next level. I find it fascinating, though. Two years ago, Utah was number one seed in the West, right? Memphis played in the first round. Last year, Phoenix was number one seed in the West. And it, it, it can fall apart fairly quickly. It can fall apart very quickly. So I admire what Golden State has done to rebuild with some youth, still have their stars on top, and still be a team we're talking about here. Yeah, they've done an unbelievable job keeping that thing going, man. Like, that's probably the only front office that you can point at and say they've done a better job in this last little run than Memphis is Golden State. Like, they like they said, they were light years ahead and stuff like that. They've truly done it. Like, they have this great championship core still, and then all these young guys. Uh I really like Milwaukee still, though. Chris Middleton's still banged up, like, but I think Giannis is going to be incredible this year. Um, so I, I want to see Milwaukee and I think the Clippers, man. They looked really fun against that Lakers team where just like they just kind of threw Kawhi out there and he just looked like the same guy, just went straight to his little pull-up from the elbow. So like that's, that's kind of a championship match, uh, matchup I'd like to see is something a little different. But I wouldn't mind seeing the Warriors and the Celtics run it back. I like I, – I don't mind – I didn't mind when it was – Warriors Cavaliers for all those years in a row. I think it's kind of fun. It builds a good rivalry and stuff. So uh, we'll see though. But yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, I was going to add Kawhi's a robot, man. He was just going to come in and his process, his system was just going to process. It was like, okay, yeah, I'm back. <laughs> Let me get back to my grind. Like it's, essentially, as soon as he caught that ball, that rebound, he went straight to the mid range shot. So yeah, the Clippers are most definitely, they, they have the depth. Paul George dropped a 40 bomb last night, to be honest. And I think he's pushing his agenda. Uh, it being, I feel like he's an underrated superstar in that league. I feel like he wants more appreciation around him. So it's a lot of great M- NBA teams and a lot of great basketball. So it's like I said, it's it's still very very early. We don't know who's the true. We we have a a, a small knowledge of who's the true contenders right now, but at the same time, things can change instantly. So yeah, we have to wait and see. Hey, one one more thing I wanted to add real quick. The other thing I, I had written down and was and am gonna be keeping my eye on. Dave just hinted at it, but the Suns, the number one seed last year, things really have gone south and things are weird there, man. Like they were down to Dallas uh, in their opener, and I really thought they were gonna lose that game. They end up coming back, but Chris Paul does not play during the comeback. Monty Williams sat him down. That's a that's weird. That's that's just weird. I don't know. And and. The, the Suns obviously played better without him on the floor. And Damian Lee, out of nowhere, has become like an absolute killer in the fourth quarter for the Suns. It d- doesn't make any sense to me. But um, obviously the stuff with the owner 
um, the way things finished last year and kind of the, the up and down nature with the relationship with DeAndre Ayton. Like that's just a, a super weird team and they've had a really weird start. They, I mean, they beat uh, Dallas eventually in that first game, but they then they lose to Portland, who I think a lot of people thought wasn't going to be any good uh, before the season and Portland looks good too. So I don't know. I got my eyes on the Suns. We'll see how they end up uh, shaking out. Yeah, before we move on to our final segment, you know, from the Grizzlies standpoint, where do you guys see them? The team's roster is going to change, we really believe, over the next couple months. And, and, and let's assume we have health going into the postseason. I think a run to the Western Conference Finals is very realistic. And whoever we would match up with there, because of Jaw's fearlessness, I think he gives us a chance in any series. Is that is that a fair assessment looking in the crystal ball for the rest of the season? Uh, yeah, most definitely. If health is on our side, we have Jaron back and he's able to play at a high level. And we make a big move that puts us on the top and put us in a better situation, most definitely we can compete with anybody in the West. The Western Conference Finals is most definitely circled, still circled as a, a, as a goal of mine, and I feel that it's a circle on the Grizzlies' agenda as well. I think the big thing is, like you said, can Ja give you a chance? I'm always a believer in the best player on the floor has a really good chance to win the series and most often does. And when you look up and down the West, he's better. He'd be the best player on the floor against Phoenix. He would be the best player on the floor, in my opinion, against the Clippers, even though those guys have a better track record, what we've seen so far and with their injury history. Like I think Ja can be the best player in that series. Um, and, and that's the other part of it, too. It's seven games, right? Like anybody can be the best player for seven games. Like he could play he could outplay Jokic for seven games. It's not outside of the realm of possibility, even though he's a two time MVP. So, yeah, if you have a guy like Ja, like Luca, like Steph, you have a chance to knock off anybody if you have the best player on the floor during a series. Two time MVP and no rings. Kind of weird, sort of. Right? Even Steve Nash had two MVPs and no rings. I don't know. When I was growing up, MVPs were, you know, Michael, Magic, Larry, Bill Russell, you know. Yeah. yeah. Kong yeah. yeah. Lung got one too, though, and never got a ring, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Jokic is still young. Yeah, Jokic is still young in his career. Hopefully he could find the, uh, be able to have a chance to make it to a, get to a championship and maybe win a ring. But, yeah, for right now, two MVPs, no ring. <sighs> Now heading to our last segment, something new, what we're calling the trophy case. So basically with our trophy case segment, we're highlighting the Grizzly players, sort of a superlative style of who, who, which award should be given to the player of the week or might somebody that's resemblance to a former Grizzlies player. So David, how do you feel? Who was who your trophy case of the week? Who do you feel that's highlighted and has has been valuable this week for the Grizzlies? Yeah, I really like this segment, Xavier, because I'm a big movie fan. So I was thinking this week, you know, if I had to give out a, a Best Actor Oscar type of award, it's John Moran. And it's just so reassuring. We have him locked up to a long-term extension. He looks healthy. I thought his explosion was just fantastic to watch the, on the offensive end. In the fast break, it's so exhilarating. His creativity with the basketball is so much fun. And just to have him at the front of our, our team, I think he's going to lead us a long way over the course of his career. He gets my best actor Oscar this week, and, and just great to see him healthy back playing basketball. <laughs> yeah, it is happy to see John Moran out there. He's, look, he's looking happy. He's playing emphatic. And he's really being that guy. He's truly, like he said, him searching out there on the court. Matt, how do you feel? 
Who's your highlight? Uh, Who's your trophy case of the week? Yeah, I got a couple. I'll start with one here in just a second. But Dave, you said you're a big movie fan. Who who are some of your favorite actors? Give me your top three right now off the top of your head. Oh my goodness, favorite actors. So I'm showing my age here. A big Al Pacino fan. There we go. Big Robert, big Robert De Niro fan and a big Warren Beatty fan. Okay. All right. I just had to I had to make sure everybody knew that. We're getting we're getting to know everybody, you know, every week. Oh, we gotta let the listeners know. Uh all right, my first award, the Mike Miller Award. This is going to the best bench player of the week. And I'm giving this one. He's probably going to win it a bunch this year. Tyus Jones, man, can't say enough about that dude. He is a huge part of this team, has been since he's become a Memphis Grizzly. And honestly, in my opinion, has been their second best player, at least their second most important through these first three games, coming off the bench, hitting a bunch of big shots in the clutch against uh, both the Knicks and the Rockets, I felt. He's he's played really well. Love this lineup that they're doing with uh, Tyus and Ja on the floor at the same time. Uh, I don't know if that was necessarily something they had talked about in the offseason or if that was something that they kind of came up with on the fly uh, for this season once they saw Bain was struggling a little bit and got banged up. I know they experimented with it last year. But, uh, yeah, Mike Miller Award, best bench player, Tyus Jones. And and I want to say we've talked about it a lot on the website, um, grizzlybearblues.com. Check that out, as always. Uh, Tyus Jones is the best backup point guard in basketball, and I don't even know who's second, but it's not even close, man. He is such an asset to this team coming off the bench. He would start for a lot of a lot of different NBA teams, man, so we're lucky to have him. He's my Mike Miller bench player of the week. Shout-out, Stones. And it's funny that you mentioned Mike Miller. I got somebody who's, I feel like, this identical to Mike Miller, Jake LaRavia. Jake LaRavia came in against that Houston game and making some big shots. Was he four for, I think, three for eight at the three-point line that game? I think that Jake played some great basketball there. And then also I want to do something like the drippiest player of the week that was Jerry. Jerry was looking fly on the bench last night. I don't know <laughs> what he was pulling off thinking that we was in Miami, but he, he brought Miami to Dallas with, over there. He had the drip on. He had all the ice on, like what Dylan had said about <laughs> Ja in that segment last year. A whole lot of ice over there. But, yeah, it was great seeing those guys just play and have fun this week. Dude, that's that's funny. I had a similar award, but I was going to call it the, the Kyle Kuzma award because Kuzma always wears the craziest stuff on the sidelines and yeah, you're right pregame fits. But, yeah, cool. drippiest sounds way better. And, Jared, I mean, all these dudes, they have, they have so much swagger and so much drip on the sidelines. Yeah, like you said, a whole lot of ice. But, yeah, good to see Jaren supporting <laughs> the boys out there. Is it fair, though, that I'm getting a little frustrated seeing Dylan Brooks on the sidelines? I mean, after we went through last year, then and again, it's like another injury, however long he's out. I mean, he wears cool sunglasses. He's, you know, he looks pretty cool, too, I think. On the, But, I mean, at some point, his history, his injury history to me is becoming a concern. Yeah, and I, I thought it was super weird. Sorry, Xavier, I'll, I'll toss it to you here in just a second, but I, I don't even remember him getting banged up. Like, it must have been a practice thing, right? Because he played the last preseason game, uh, and then before opening night, I felt like we didn't really know he was hurt until the injury report came out, like, the day before, and they were, like, doubtful Dylan Brooks. So, I, I don't know, Xavier, did you see anything about that, like, leading up to the first game? Because I had no idea he was even hurt. Uh, no, I, I... – I don't know anything how how it happened. I mean, it's you look at the reports, it's, just, it's always saying knee soreness. So, I mean, maybe he overexerted himself during the preseason, yeah. his last preseason game. But you look at his history, like his first two seasons, 
he was the healthiest Grizzlies Grizzly player. He played 82 games the first two seasons from there. And then from, from then, it's just been a slippery slope. He's been dealing with injuries, nailing with injuries since then. I really hope that he does hop on track and become healthy. I, I hope it's not concerning. But, yeah, I, it's sad to see him on the on the on the bench but you know Dylan is still a hype man like he's still going to encourage his guys and, and wants the best from him by the way Xavier uh, you had mentioned in one of our previous shows the most important Grizzly bench player you said was Tyus Jones and it goes back to what Matt just said here uh, and he certainly has looked every bit of that this week yeah yeah you're right all right so that wraps up today's show of the core four be sure to share with your friends and family. You can find us on Apple Music, Spotify, and any other streaming platform that you find your podcast. So, Matt, go ahead and tell the people where you, they can find you on the, your socials. Yeah, follow at Matt H. Gill on all platforms. Follow the show page as well at the Core 4 Podcast. Catch all of the great coverage. We have tons of great game coverage on grizzlybearblues.com. All right, David. Where can the people find you on your socials? Twitter at DOB1933.8. And uh, as always, guys, great to be with you this week. Okay. And then you can find me on Twitter at Zaytom Takes. You can find me on TikTok at underscore XZAY. And then YouTube at XavierZaytom.2. And that's all, folks. Thank you guys for coming out again. Stolen by Marin. Hammer. Nail.